Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Typically, I feel bad for the people that have to come up after I preach. But today I feel a little bit bad for myself. (laughs) That was very powerful. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It was so beautifully put in song, I hope you don't miss it, that we prophesy the promise. We speak that which is true even when we can't see it. That we cling to what God says is true about us and about the world and about our future, even when we can't see how that could possibly be. And fear can go to hell. And shame can go with it. Wow! (laughs) Normally we don't like it when people talk like that in church. (laughs) So Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that you would just, (laughs) Lord, extract from us fear and shame and Lord, all the things that make us less than who we are. God, we want to be fully the image and the likeness of you, God, created and fashioned in your likeness. And Lord, we want to, in our salvation, become the very image of Christ reflected in us. And so as we go through your word today, let your word go through us. God, let it strengthen us. Lord, make us prophetic people. Those that know what you've said, those who know what you say will happen and who live it, even in spite of what we may see or feel. God, help us to live a prophetic life like that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I, want, to, um, I want to just pick up briefly here the, the verse that uh, Daniel and Tori had brought to you at the dedication. It's found in 1 Samuel, and it's, it's really the verse that starts out, and it kind of sets the context for the life of a great man of God. And if we want to run the parallel, a great woman of God. The Bible is not a respecter of persons, for men and women are great in the kingdom, each in their own God-created, beautiful way. And so there was a mother who lived with a great sorrow. And her sorrow was her inability to have a child, and that inability to have a child was not just an internal struggle, it was an external social issue. People looked down on her because she did not have a baby. Today it's different. Many couples choose not to have children, and that's, there's no shame in that. But back in this century, it was a shameful thing that, the amount of children often meant the amount of God's blessing on your life. And she felt less than who she was. She was experiencing deep grief, deep grief. And so she cried out to the Lord. And it wasn't one of those nice, polite prayers, thank you, Jesus, for this day, give me a baby, amen. For this woman, this was such a deep and central issue for her that she cried out in great anguish. So much so 
that when the pastor saw her praying, he thought she was drunk. He added to her insult and said, stop your drinking. Sort out your life. Quit what you're doing. And she says, oh, no, you don't understand. I am of deep anguish. And she cried out to the Lord. There's something very beautiful about that. I don't know why God sometimes brings us to the brink of desperation. But he has purpose in it. If you've ever been hanging on by fingertips in life or in a situation, and you cry out to God there, there is a deep and profound experience of meeting of God that you can experience. I think many of us don't live life that raw. We just try to keep it, keep it light or keep it shallow, keep it cool. But that was not Hannah. That was not Samuel's mother. She was desperate, and she wasn't afraid to let God or anyone else know it. And so lo and behold, she let out her cry, and she poured out her heart to God. And the Lord gave her a child. And this, 1 Samuel 1.27, is her response. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked for. So now I give to him, I give, excuse me, I give him to the Lord. Who is she giving to the Lord? The baby. I'm giving my child to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. I wonder if Hannah knew. This is, I was reading this and praying through it. And I, I wonder if Hannah knew all the challenges of Samuel's life that would happen because of her decision. If Hannah knew what would happen to Samuel when she dedicated him to the Lord, when she said, this is my son, I give him to you. If she'd have known the road that the Lord would have taken Samuel on, do you think she would have had second thoughts? I mean, Samuel was a mover and a shaker, a pivotal, powerful man in the, the narrative, the story of God's salvation. And he faced a full life of challenges and opposition and having to find courage in the Lord to see the purposes of God come. But lo and behold, she did. And when she says this, you'll see the verse that was read earlier, the versions of this giving over to the Lord, some versions say, he will belong to the Lord. There was a possession that that Hannah was saying, Lord, I want you, God, to possess and to have my child. I mean, that's a lot to say for a woman who was so desperate to have children. And yet, that which was most precious, that which was the very answer to her desperation, God's answer to her prayer, she says, I give him over, or he belongs to you. This morning, we used the term dedicate to the Lord. But the title of the sermon today is this idea of lending to the Lord. And I, it's a great phrase, and it really is interesting, because the scripture says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It all belongs to God anyways. And that's true. But there was something in Hannah's heart where she's saying, I'm taking my precious child, and I'm going to lend him to God. Lord, he's yours. Psalm 
Some of you guys, you won't lend me your pickup truck for an afternoon if I got to move a, if I got to move a furniture. But here, this <laughs> you're selfish, anyways. But this woman, she is lending to the Lord that which is most delicate and fragile and precious to her. I mean, even like when you bring your baby to church, you don't let everybody, you don't like pass the baby around the table. You're very selective of who holds the baby. You know, like with me, most moms wait till they can hold their own head up because they're just not sure if I'm going to do it for them. So they're like, no, I'm very careful. I don't do this lightly. And here she is, that which is most delicate and fragile and precious to her. She comes and she lends to the Lord. The amazing thing about lending things to God is he always pays you back with interest, with more than you gave. But that'll come out. I want to talk about a couple things that happen in this process for you as mothers, but I think it's universal for all of us. And the first thing is this. There's a principle that that which God provides to us, he also asks us to surrender. Everything that God has given to you, whether it's a child or your pickup truck, thank you very much, or the clothes on your back or the money in your pocket or the spouse that you waited for, your job, everything that the Lord provides to us, he asks us to surrender to him. And I think we're pretty good at being selective when that comes. But I want us to understand that when God answered Hannah's prayer, he wasn't just answering the prayer of a woman who wanted a child. God was answering and supplying something more. He was supplying a leader to Israel. He was providing a prophet to a land that was running amok. That's the third time I've used the word amok this morning. It just seems to fit today. But God was answering a larger problem through Hannah's prayer. I mean, Hannah didn't care about kings and prophets in Israel. I mean, she was a godly woman, but her focus, her concern was on her barrenness. But God's focus was not simply on her barrenness, though he is attentive, right? He knows the hairs of our head. If he considers and cares and feeds for the, the birds of the air, does he not care and feed for you, feed you? If he, if he decorates the, the, the very prairies of the world with flowers and beautiful things, will he not provide clothing for you? He cares about the details of us, but for God and God's agenda, it's so much more than meeting our need in our prayer, but God is always doing something more. And if you take the supply of God, the provision of God, the answer to your prayer, and you keep it to yourself, you defy and you undermine the very purpose for which God has supplied that to you for. If God has provided you wealth and influence, it's not just for you to be popular and everyone want to shake your hand and know your name and name drop and, and whatever, borrow your pickup truck. If God has given you something, sure, it is, there is something very personal about God's provision for you, but there is always something bigger. And Samuel was something bigger. And so had not this woman lent her child back to God, Israel 
would have not had the man they needed to transition from the period of judges to kings. They would have not had the man who anointed King David and spoke into his life. And David, we know, grew to be a great king in Israel and became the figure for which the son of David would someday save us from our sins. God's always doing more with what he gives you. And let me just flip that upside down for you. Do you know that that which God has given you has potential to change and shape the world? Maybe it's just a baby. Maybe it is your money and influence. Maybe it's your gifting or your calling. Maybe it's just your time. But that which God provides, he wants us to surrender. Because none of us are outside of the parameters of God's scripture. Hannah could be you. Hannah is you. And that which God has provided for you has the potential to change and shape salvation history. So what do you have? Yeah, what do you have? I remember... um, the Lord had to teach me these things. My first car, when I bought my first car, I was very excited. It was a 1991 Chevy Saturn, or not Chevy, Saturn. It was the base level. I didn't have any money, but it was plastic, so it was cool. And I loved, I adored this car. It was very special. It was, it was like a sign of my independence and self-sufficiency. And when it came time to sell my car, I remember the Lord spoke to me. I, was, I, I sold it to um, a lady I worked with at Moody Bible Institute, her name was Angelica, and um, everyone called her Angel, so I thought, this is good. I'm giving my car to the angels. <laughs> but the Lord spoke to me when I was selling it about not being um, fir- funny about the price, and that I was, to, I was to treat her like it was my first daughter getting her first car, which was different for me, because I was just trying to sell it, get the money, and move on. And suddenly I said, you know what? I realized this car that I loved so much that was my pride and joy, my little plastic pride and joy, it wasn't my car. The Lord had provided it for me, but I had to surrender it to him. And so I went out and I waxed it and I washed it and I vacuumed it. You should have seen me in the backyard. This is when people would actually wash their own cars. I was, I was scrubbing that thing and, I, and I, I, polished, I polished it because the Lord had told me this Treat this, this woman like she's your daughter getting her first car. And this possession I had was not simply for me to benefit. This possession was now the Lord's possession, and it would be a gift to her from the Lord. I just thought, wow, I want everything that I have, everything God has provided to me to be surrendered to him because it will be powerful if you do it that way. I want us to see another thing that For Hannah, her faith, her trust in God, it emerges from a place of grief, of profound grief and sorrow and shame. I know many people, when they're approached to God, they they think like, well, I'm going to kind of get my life presentable, and then I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to try to start being a church person, or I'm going to start following Jesus once my life is presentable. That is the antithesis of what the Bible portrays as the life that God wants for us. Here is this woman. She is in the lowest part of her life. She is grieving. She is ashamed. 
She feels abandoned by God. She feels, a, her, even her husband, her husband loved her and was so good to her. And just, she just, he just poured out. He always, he blessed her. But even the husband's blessing and the husband's favor was not enough to fill the hole in her heart. Only God could do that. Many times we think it's our husband. Well, we always think it's our husband's fault, right? But we look to other people to, to fill the need in our heart. And in Hannah's life, we see that, that nothing that could be done otherwise could make her whole. Only God. And so she pours out her heart and she prays. And then the man of God comes and says, what you ask will be granted. Little birds and the bees lesson here. It takes nine months for a baby to be born. It says that Hannah got up, believed God, and later the baby was born. She began trusting God before the baby was there. She began trusting God in the midst of her grief, in the midst of her sorrow. That from that broken place, that's where God begins. He doesn't begin like as soon as things seem good enough or our life is, you know, some people are like, well, I don't even believe fully. I still have my doubts and questions about God. I can't really come to church. That would make me a hypocrite. I'm like, no, not at all. You come here with your doubts and your struggles and your challenges and your sin and whatever you got, and you say, but I know that somehow there's something for me that God has, and you let faith rise up in the midst of your brokenness or questions or doubts, that's exactly where God loves to do his business. But I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are already here. But if you could tell your friends who don't come to church that, that would be really helpful because so many people think they gotta have things together before they come to church. Hannah did not have her stuff together. She was a broken woman and she cried out to God and then she began to trust him and believe him. I love how the scripture talks about, it's the prophetic statement of what Jesus will do in our lives from Isaiah 61. It says that God wants to bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes that he will give us the oil of joy instead of mourning, that he will give us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, that we will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord on display of his splendor. Listen, there is a garment of praise that you have to put on, even in your darkness, even in your despair. You had a bad week? Well, don't come to church naked. You put on that garment of praise. And, and even in spite of your circumstances, you were up yesterday and worked hard, cutting the grass, doing long. You're tired this morning. I feel so bad for you. Put on your garment of praise. And God will give you the oil of joy. In your despair, in your discouragement, in your tiredness, in your apathy, in your whatever circumstance you find yourself in, if you in that moment express a faith and a trust in God, God will meet you in that place and he will bless you. Too many people sit around waiting for circumstances to be right, the planets to align, or who knows what. Instead of saying, you know what? I want the crown of beauty instead of ashes. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna begin to trust God. I'm gonna put on a garment of praise. I'm gonna put that thing on me so I don't show up to church naked and let the Sunday morning go by without having an encounter with God. 
What keeps you from trusting him? What keeps you? Someone told me this morning that I speak too fast when I preach. You can't catch all what I'm saying, so I'm going to slow it down. What keeps you from trusting God? Question mark. It's not an accusation. I'm not yelling at you. Sometimes when I ask my children probing questions, they say, stop yelling at me. I'm like, I'm not yelling at you. That's your conscience. <laughs> Perhaps the question makes you uncomfortable. Faith emerges from grief. Faith emerges right where you are. The last thing I want to do is this. That for so many of the great biblical stories, so many of the great stories of Christianity and the gospel since the Bible was written, they start with such ordinary people. Very limited, very ordinary people with ordinary struggles and ordinary prayers. Today we're celebrating the ordinary. I know today we celebrate mothers, right? Mothers are great. Mothers are wonderful. It's the great day to put voice to how much we love our mothers. Those things are such a weird deal because all of us, including our mothers, are pretty ordinary. We're pretty mixed, you know, pretty great and a little bit awful. Like, if you get two parts great and one part awful, you're doing okay. God's still working on you. When you get to heaven, it'll be three parts great. Way to go. You made it. Praise the Lord. But in this life, it's always a mixture. Some of us entertain illusions of grandeur more than others, you know? I really want to be this. I want to really be that. And that's why we love superheroes, because we just wish... We could shoot a bow and arrow like that one guy, or fly, or we, you know, we, but when we boil it all down, we're all pretty much dust that God has put his breath in. And, and those stories that begin with the ordinary, and I just want to just draw your attention to three ordinary women in the Bible. They each have their own songs in the Bible, one of which is Hannah's song or Hannah's prayer. Right? Hannah was an ordinary woman in Israel who had a, a longing and she prayed out to God and God gave her what she asked for and then that what she asked for she dedicated back to him. And from that ordinary woman with God's miraculous supply came one of the greatest prophets that Israel has ever known. Samuel was incredible. And the exploits that he accomplished in the kingdom of God are noteworthy. Feel free to read them in 1st, 2nd Samuel and Kings. But it's remarkable what God did to this ordinary woman. I look at um, Miriam, Moses' little sister. She sang this song, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and riders thrown into the sea. This ordinary woman who was a slave, a Hebrew slave for all of her life, saw 
God's victorious deliverance out of Egypt, out of slavery, into newness, into whatever God had for the people of God, moving forward. And this ordinary woman, she pen, she's just started, she grabbed a tambourine and started singing and dancing. And all the other ladies started dancing. And she's saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has glorious, he has triumphed gloriously. He sank Pharaoh's armies under the sea. God has overcome in our lives. It's powerful. And what about Mary? Dear, sweet teenage Mary gave birth to Jesus. Her song has a special, it's the Magnificat. But she speaks of God taking a humble servant and doing exploits and bringing salvation. I want to just, happy Mother's Day to the wonderful, ordinary, flawed, desperate mothers and people here today. I just want to say, I'll repeat one time, that what you pray for and God provides, won't you offer it back to him? Won't you say, Lord, I will lend you my car. I will lend you Lord, my, my finances, my work. Lord, I will lend you my voice. What do I have, Lord, that I can lend to you? And that which you lend to God, that which you put on that altar of praise, God desires to take that and run with it. God desires to take what you have, multiply it, and return it to you. They say one of the largest reasons that young people are not going into uh, the mission field is because of their parents. Their parents can't cope with the thought of their children going and living in other places maybe deprived of basic necessities, or maybe not in their presence, or their grand, for all the reasons we parents understand. And hearing that, this just this morning I heard that, and it reminded me, and it so vividly illustrated the reality of taking that which is precious to us that God provides and giving it back to him. This morning, Daniel and Tori dedicated their precious little girl, Tessa, to the Lord. This morning, you would do well to dedicate that which you have to the Lord as well. Amen? Stand with me. We'll close.